Welcome to the After Dark Podcast, the podcast in which Anthony leads his unknowing friend Conrad by the hand through TV shows. Will Conrad like them? Will Conrad hate them? Will Conrad predict what's going to happen, or will he be lost in the dark? Find out now, only on the After Dark Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. My name's Anthony James, and that's Conrad. Hello! That's him. Well, Conrad, that's a streak of me messing up the intro for about eight eight times in a row or something like that. We're the, on streak. I don't the know. first intro where I'm here in glorious high definition and you, and you, you screw up my introduction. How dare you? Yeah. So I'm sure you notice, uh, Conrad, if you're watching the video version of this podcast, Conrad has finally got a camera that's, that's able to do high definition. I know there's a lot of people around the world looking forward to seeing Conrad in high definition. There he is in all of his glory. I think we both have to say thank you very much to anyone who's donated to the to the podcast. Thank you very much for anyone who's bought a t-shirt. Here mm. they are, the After Dark Podcast t-shirt. Um, we when we put the t-shirt out, we didn't we we didn't expect uh, it to actually contribute to things like new cameras and things. But the money that we've made from the t-shirt, even though it's very small per t-shirt has really contributed. Uh, thank you very much for anyone who gave direct donations. If you want to support the podcast, our next set, our next sort of movement uh, forward is going to be, we're not 100% sure yet. There's a lot of things we can still do to improve the, improve the podcast. Uh, we're not sure what we're going to do next. Yeah, we figured, we found out that um, that trying to stream and render 4K video is really hardware intensive. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so... On, that might be on the horizon at some point. Yeah, there's a lot of plans for the future, <laughs> yeah. but in terms of like, we usually we we're pretty good at like pinpointing what we want next. So we'll let you know what what we're we're aiming towards next. But anyway, for now though, we're in we're in high quality, high definition. Both of us. Here we are. We got we got good quality microphones. Thanks to you guys as well. Uh, this podcast, I'll tell you what, it's sooner or later it's gonna feel like we're sitting in that living room with you. <laughs> yeah, pouring <laughs> audio honey in the listener's ear. Yeah, so thank you very much for anyone who has donated. Uh, anyway, Conrad, uh, before we start, I had a couple of things I needed to talk about. Oh, no. The first thing was, I'm not going to dwell on this, uh, there was hints at possible After Dark Podcast is racist. Let's... let's. Uh, <laughs> They've rumbled us! We need to pack yeah. up the things, boys. <laughs> yeah, the, there was some hints of it. Um, that was my own uh, characterization of it. No one actually accused of us of being racist. But oh, okay. um, the whole Abuela uh, situation. Oh, yeah. Someone has pointed out, which... In the second conversation we had about it, we we're talking about that he uh, uh, French looks like it looks like his mother was Filipino, so therefore maybe it was a racist coach or racist guy on the phone. Yeah, it turns out actually his name is Alfonso, so probably his father is of, uh, Listen, of Hispanic descent. I, I tell you what, this racism stuff is complicated. Who would have thought that like it's it's complex navigating these kind of situations? Exactly, exactly. Uh, and I just want to say as well, uh, one last thing before we get into this episode. Uh, last week when we had the whole Mary Sue conversation, um, a lot of people in the, com- in the comments uh, sort of agreeing with us there. The, the commenter who, who made that, uh, that comment originally, um, I, I apologize. I did, we, I did not mean to have it come across <laughs> like we were uh, portraying you as a believer in Mary Sue's. Uh, I... You know, it was legitimate questions. I think we actually said during it as well that we didn't think, you know, but but I think that was that was my fault that I I went to town on the idea of Mary Sue's and then only (laughs) very briefly at the end mentioned that uh, that I wasn't attacking the uh, the the poor question asker who who uh, yeah had probably tuned out by that point. Exactly, it was it was an oversight on my my behalf to be honest with you because I didn't actually 
read the full full question out. I I sort of sort of took it as a given that we that we weren't going to be attacking this uh, poor commenter. Uh, but if we if if you if you were to go and read the full comment, the commenter actually does say in the original comment that they that they feel that Mary the Mary Sue uh, trope or, or conversation point is quite sexist in nature. Yeah. So they actually were on our side before we even began the conversation. Yeah. I didn't mean it to come across that way. I apologize. Uh, please <laughs> so, don't unsubscribe. So we're in hot water already this week. In fact, you actually you can actually you can unsubscribe if you want. If we've lost your trust, that's fine. <laughs> but I just needed to I just needed to apologize for my for my soul to be clean. Okay, you know? well that's very big of you. Yeah, well I'm a very big guy. Right, guys. So there, there we go. After Dark Podcast uh, T-shirt link in the description. If you want to subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel, the Culture Cave. Thank you very much. If you have, if not, you can subscribe on podcast audio apps. You can, a lot of people who listen to us in the car, in the kitchen while they're cooking, all sorts of things like that. Uh, you don't generally need to see what's going on on the screen, uh, but also you could also like the video, which would be a real big help. Send us an email at adpodmail at gmail.com if you have any questions. Uh, I think that's pretty much all I have to say. Comment, give us your thoughts. Comment, give Conrad a question for next week. We will be having a few questions from some listeners later on in the episode. What do you think, Conrad? Should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, let's break it down! Okay, before we get into the episode, I wanted to mention there's been a few people who've been sort of requesting or saying that they missed the, the images at the bottom of the YouTube video for as we're moving through the um, the episode. Now, I'm going to give two reasons very quickly why I took them away. First thing is, it actually does add at least an hour of work to me, or half an hour, I would say, because I have to actually take the, take the, the pictures, put them into the videos. Having said that, I do agree that it adds something extra to the videos. The second reason I took them out was Conrad and I had spoken about possibly not doing a bit piece-by-piece uh, piece linear way through an episode mm-hmm. like we're sort of it was dark we very much went through minute by minute talked about what happened with the OA, we weren't intending to do that having said that the style of myself as a host it sort of went that way anyway yeah so and i actually quite like that format so it seems as if we are going to continue to do that so the idea of bringing them back in isn't isn't off the table whatsoever in fact surprise for you guys here they are here Ba-da-ba-da! enjoy yeah, so i'll, I'll I'll edit in post of them coming in at that, <laughs> at that point. You leave all of this in the video as well. Yeah, right. all this, no, all, all this is going to be in the video. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was my intention. Uh, nice. So it's going to come. There they are. Um, all right, so let's get on with it then. So we open up with Prairie and in, in like sort of a, I've called it in my notes a lumpy tundra. Uh, it's a, yeah, quite a very it's, yeah. It's a lumpy piece of land, that's for sure. It, it puts me... Um, I, I don't think you've actually ever played this game, but it puts me in mind of the planetoid slash centaur uh, Nessus in the game Destiny 2, which is in the process of being terraformed by a time-travelling robot, a race of robots called the Vex, and they basically turn planets into like very incredibly verdant um, uh, ecosystems, but they, there's like loads of like milk everywhere. Uh, or it's not actually milk, but it looks like milk. And the opening of this uh, this episode, where it says a way and it's got like the kind of milky liquid flowing over yeah. sand and then prairie waking up in these like uh, like on this kind of like verdant stonework in this weird landscape really put me in mind of that which i don't i don't think it's necessarily referencing it but it definitely feels alien well i think well, well i think this came out before destiny 2 possibly yeah 2016 this came out yeah so destiny 2 maybe be referencing this but could be. Uh, could be for me it actually felt like um kind of like if if the land was a brain do you know what I mean? Yeah, bumpy, kind of uh, a bumpy brain land. 
yeah, bumpy brainland. That's what I okay. think. Uh, and the whole idea of an ND as well sort of fit for me. But uh, so she wakes up in bumpy tundra brainland, uh, and she 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 says that she could hear hear them screaming like Scott and Rachel and Homer screaming her name. But then all of a sudden they were gone. Yeah. Uh, for the second time of her life, she was dead. Uh, mm. I've got a lot of more notes on this in terms of moving us through because this is this is a huge meaty scene to start. The episode yeah, off it's with. a hell of an opening. This, it's like... yeah. So, so basically, she goes through the thing, goes into a little a little house. All the stars are there. Cartoons there again. I'm going to let you go off from there rather than me go through bit by bit. Okay. So, yeah. Step one, she's died again, but she hasn't really died again. But I suppose from her point of view, she has gotten close enough to dying that it's hard to tell the difference basically or or i mean i guess she has died but there's a decision you can make when you die where you can choose not to stay or something like that that we'll get into that into a second but um so honestly after like the the reveal of this place the big question to me first off was does this happen to everyone or does it just happen to a select few people and i feel like the episode eventually gets to the point where it kind of in a roundabout way answers that question although maybe that's me misinterpreting it but we'll, we'll probably come back to that um a bit later as well um but i love the presentation of the kind of house on stilts of um of Katoon's home in this area it gave me real kind of almost like baba yaga vibes yeah like the sort of witch's house on stilts in a in an alien landscape um which um yeah really appealed to me because it's really it's very incongruous it's very very odd but in a really appealing way um and and we're, we're just getting in at the opening of this episode we just get such an enormous amount of information dumped on us it's like okay yeah. her name is Katoon. this entire um conversation about prairie being able to, able to stay if she wants to um and prairie rejecting it and essentially being like no i've got stuff that i still need to do um with with scott and, and homer and the others um mm. and this kind of like desire she has for humanity even with all the pain it brings which Katoon says she can take away um and there's a definite emotional connection between Katoon and and prairie i feel like which i have some ideas about um and it feels like Katoon is trying to save her from this. So when 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 Prairie initially rejects the offer to stay here forever, uh, even after she sees her sees her dad, um, she's offered this kind of um, she's offered this bird, which she fishes out of her cosmic pond yeah, she, in the sense she goes fishing for a bird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she like you know, there's this price that she's paying, and essentially she's she's not going to be reunited with her father to go back to uh, to, to to save the others. Um, I think it's interesting that her dad has the same scarification marks on his face as as Katoon has. Um, whether that's kind of uh. just a, I don't know what you'd call that really. That's just an, a, like maybe a, a a kind of aesthetic choice to indicate that someone has found residence in this place or something along those lines. It's, it certainly it struck me. Did uh, we mention? Did we mention in the first episode when we saw Katoon the idea of it looking like Braille? Did we mention that? Uh, I think that was about the back scars for Prairie. I don't know if because we mentioned... I, yeah, well, the cartoon scars for me in this episode did look a bit like Braille to me. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what a lot of those those like scarification uh, designs on, on, on the face do look like. They're sort of like, you know, very bumpy. Um, yeah. But yes, so they absolutely have... They absolutely do, uh, do possibly read that way. Um, I, th- I think there's some really great writing in this scene. The 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 line uh, "to exist is to su- survive unfair choices" is a is a great piece of dialogue. Um, and then we get the um, 
get the reveal of Katoon showing off her one wing. Like, well, maybe she has yeah. another one, but when I saw that, I was like, one-winged angel, and immediately started thinking about re- ways in which I could reference Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII in this episode. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to say I thought about it. You and just I'm, did. I'm you letting you did. off. Oh, I could have gone so much harder on that, believe you me. Um, <laughs> I had I had the, the song, uh, the Nobuo Uematsu song playing in my head when this scene was going on. Um, but yeah, so Katoon, there's a few things she says here. Or I'm, I'm not even comfortable calling calling them her, to be honest. Like, they, I feel like, is a more accurate um, gendering of this character because they feel so far beyond a, like a human in terms of what they're saying here. So first off, all five of you must work together to avert a great evil. Who, you know, what is the great evil? Who is the fifth member of this group? You know, what, what, what's, um, who is that actually referring to? Yeah, and then we get the big, the big drop, which is you know you are the original. So I'm like, okay, the OA, the original something. She's got one wing, and then in a couple of scenes' time, we'll see Prairie drop the uh, drop the word angel in there. So I don't know. OA sounds seems to me like it might stand for original angel or something like that. Which I I don't know. That that seems. That could be that could be really cheesy, um, depending on how they deliver that line. But that's kind of where I'm on with what the OA stands for at the moment. Um, okay. And then as she catches the bird, which uh, was the first time I realised, oh, she can see in this place. It took me until like the end of the scene to be like, oh, she can see. <laughs> yeah, she looked. She was she was just sensing her father out the window. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it took me to that point. <laughs> to be like, oh yeah, okay, she can, yeah, she can see. So, um, I mean, and and you know, then she wakes up and can see as well. So, all's well that ends well. Yeah, like awesome. So the other thing I think I would add to that is that in this scene, it's very clear that um, the prairie is deciding not to stay because she can't leave them in the basement. Yeah, it's sort, it's kind of like bringing back a more severe uh, decision that she has to make. Uh, in terms of even back whenever she just she decided not to have the sandwich because she need, she wanted the rest of them to have it too. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like bringing that aspect around. Obviously, this is a huge, a much bigger question. Like, will you die and be peaceful, or will you go back into captivity uh, to save or to be yeah. with these people? Yeah. But, and but I, I think that's that's a really valid point, though. I think it is an example of Prairie's extreme empathy. Um, mm-hmm. just writ large as, and, and I, I think that's a really astute ob- observation that we have essentially seen her do this with the sandwich as well um, yeah. and obviously the stakes if you will excuse a pun are a little <laughs> higher <laughs> this time around but you know the, the, the point remains the same it does it does uh, okay awesome so she wakes up um, having decided to go back after eating the bird mm. and Hap, Hap is nursing her back to health yeah this, um, I'm not lovely man he uh, the, I I love the the more I see of Hap, the more I love him as a character because he is so duplicitous. Um, the way he talks, like so, this scene is shot. You know, she's kind of in a well lit room. It's quite close up and in soft focus. So it's quite um, it, it's quite kind of like gentle and intimate the way it's shot. And he's saying things which are to me reminiscent of someone who is maybe like an abusive spouse or something you know i thought i'd lost you i wasn't thinking you know all these kind of yeah platitudes to kind of show that you care about someone without ever actually taking responsibility for your actions or apologizing um there's a real like insidiousness to his character um and 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 the little things he mentions in this scene as well so he says there's a quite a long run-on sentence which i won't say the whole of but within this sentence he says you were gone a long time um 
the only non-scientific death I've had here, and I've been doing this study for years, which sows these seeds. I mean, obviously, we've seen a body in the uh, in in the previous episode, but mm-hmm. how many people has he killed uh, by doing this? You know, that that's you're the only non-scientific death I've had here. Um, how many? And obviously, you know, she came back from it. So I'm assuming most of those people have come back. But have there been others apart from the people that 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 we've seen in captivity that have that have died accidentally? Um, but yeah, sorry, go on. No, I think later. I think later on in the episode, we sort of get an answer to that a little bit because he mentions uh, on the tapes whenever Homer is listening to them, uh, he mentions that um, that Hap well, Hap mentions himself that once he started working with uh, NDE survivors, then it, it sort of advanced. It makes me think that he was try- he was just doing this to random people, uh, yeah, even more random than he already does it now. But he was just picking random people, not even even using the NDE as an excuse. He was just killing random people, yeah. And he probably went through a lot before he got the NDE survivors. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think I, I don't know if it's ever hinted at in this episode, but to me, his infatuation, his kind of like cold detached infatuation with this to me speaks of someone who is doing something for a reason beyond the scientific um i i I think it would it would seem like quite a natural arc or not it's not really an arc because i don't think he's going to change that much but quite a natural progression for his character to for it to be revealed that he is doing this because someone close to him died and he wants to establish the existence of the afterlife and find a way to you know communicate with them or something like that i think that Mm -hmm. that seems to me the direction that he's going in so i'm kind of starting to build a little theory about that in my head um but generally i love the way that he's written and performed um he we, we went into this a bit in the last episode but i think it's just as true in this one he really feels like he believes what he is doing is right uh and, yeah. he, and he's able to convince himself that he's a good man despite the fact that you know everything in this situation clearly indicates that he what he is doing is monstrous yeah 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 i i don't know exactly what you mean i think it was also there was a point there where it, it was also mentioned that she was gone for seven minutes with no no pulse yeah um and when he said non-scientific death what i imagine that meaning is it wasn't in his little lab yeah it's the first person he's, he's somebody killed. banged on the back of the head with a gun which yeah. <laughs> actually i have to say actually one point in the oa's favor this is probably I'm I'm racking my brain now. I'm trying to think of any other time I've seen someone be killed by being banged on the head with a gun, which is a totally believable way to, like, you know, if if you hit someone in the temple with the butt of a gun, you will probably kill them. Um, And I've never seen it happen in a film or a television show. But credit to the OA. They were like, yep, he hit her on the back of the head with a rifle and it killed her because your brain is not meant to take that kind of trauma. Yeah, exactly. And every other show, they just smack it. Like they oh, knock they, them they're out, going crazy know? with it. Yeah, like, people get hit in the head with steel pipes all the time. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I'll just shrug that off. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so Prairie wakes up, uh, goes, she like he, he puts her out again. And then she goes down into the um, into the basement. Yeah. Uh, well, she doesn't go down of her own accord. He puts her there. And then uh, she wakes up and um, the audience is let into the idea that she could see before her cellmates because we're sort of shown her point of view and it shows sort of the light of the light of the ceiling mm-hmm. coming into focus. Um, so she comes up and, and uh, Homer's like, it doesn't matter. It's okay. You know, you didn't get away, but it's okay. You're alive. Yeah. And Scott's just like, you know, I want, I want to get the fuck out of here. You know? Yeah. Uh, and just loudly Scott announces that she has brain damage as well, which is like, oh, cool. Thanks, uh, Scott. That was actually, that was a really funny moment to me. I thought that was really well delivered because she says, uh, 
you know, we've been going about it all wrong. We, we, we shouldn't be trying to get out. We should be trying to get in. And then I love Scott just like stops talking to her, walks over to Rachel and just says, I think she has brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's, um, he gets some good lines in this, Scott, I have to say. Yeah, really, really good uh, delivery. Uh, also, when he tell, tells Perry to go fuck herself, whatever uh, she says, we're angels. Yeah, so also just, good. So like a, just immediate disregard for that idea, which is... Given where he's possibly come from, it's not that surprising, I think. Um, I, I also I noticed in this opening scene, I'm sure he had it on in the last two episodes, but this is the first time I spotted it, that uh, Homer is wearing a, a jumper with a wolf on it, which I'm assuming is his like college football team's mascot, um, which explains yeah. Prairie's uh, hilarious reaction to finding like a, a shitty wolf jumper in Kmart or wherever they were. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't notice Costco. that in the last episode. Yeah, Costco. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, it's it is it is funny. Like, but uh, so he's this spirit animal. But uh, what do you call it? Uh, also, there's a moment where she says to Homer, "You know, when you listen to Rachel sing, don't don't you feel it?" And Homer's like, "In my bones." <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, I like, obviously I love this show because I've I've I, you know I've got you watching it and we're doing it on a podcast. I love this show, but there are moments in the storyline. This this show takes itself very seriously. Yeah. If you know what I mean, and there are certain, <clears throat> certain moments where if you're in, in, you're not in the mode. Like if I'm if I'm just like sort of taking notes on the episode, and it's I've watched it a few times already, and I'm noticing these things now, so I'm in the mode of doing it, uh, and things like this where I'm sort of not in in the emotion of the episode while taking notes. Yeah. Uh, it it always it straddles a line of of, of a little bit cheesy, but also could be viewed as like oh this is really cool you know what i mean yeah i i think particularly those moments where they're supposed to where they the, the show takes its time to kind of like revel in a transcendental um uh or not transcendental transcendent um musical experience i feel like the show's never really captured that um i understand i think what they're going for they they don't want that maybe they don't have the access to incredibly complex well-performed music so they go simple instead because that's the that's the thing that they can do um but it hasn't really worked for me so yeah this this sort of returning to rachel singing like you know she, she was a good singer don't get me wrong but it wasn't like the way it was presented to me it wasn't like oh this is like a mind-blowing performance so then when homer is like mm-hmm. i can feel it in my bones like what do you have you guys forgotten what good music sounds like or you know i appreciate it's been a few years homer but you should listen to miley cyrus i'm trying to think of someone else not miley cyrus she's not that good to sing <laughs> Like a wrecking ball. Yeah. See, that was that was actually a good joke until you were like, no, not Miley Cyrus. Uh, it's it, that you just you just admitting that your brain actually went to Miley Cyrus. Well, that shows how wildly out of touch I am with pop music. In, in, <laughs> to be honest, like I, I don't know who's pop. Kesha. Let's. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I've known from Kesha in a long time. No, I don't like Kesha's not been around for a while either. Um, <laughs> should do a separate podcast to like two men in their thirties try to explain modern pop music to teens. <laughs> skateboard no, no, on my uh, skateboard on the shoulder like what's up kids yeah are skateboards even cool anymore oh I they've got to be like, skateboards never stop being cool yeah okay fair <laughs> enough um oh, oh, there was a line in the scene actually did you catch it uh prairie said you know that you're very you know basically trying to explain why they're angels and she says that rachel whispers to her plants at night to help them grow without the sun yeah yeah that's is that a thing <laughs> i mean it's got it's kind of that like benevolent life giver thing you know you're sort of invoking 
vibrancy and life in something i guess is what she's talking about i wasn't aware that angels did that i don't think it's in the bible um but uh you know i i'm I'm not sure how close this is going to skew to the um judeo-christian version of angels or whether they're going to just do their own thing is it going to be more like um teen angel did you ever watch that show no (laughs) it was (laughs) Like Teen Angel, where a kid at high school dies in like a car crash, and then he comes back to like be the spirit guardian for his best friend, and it's a hilarious Disney comedy. Um, I think I've seen the opening credits of it. You know, yeah. like the you know the you know the retro sort of uh, nostalgia opening credits montages yeah, yeah. of all the different TV shows. I think I've seen it. Teenager in that. would have been in there. There was a great crossover episode with the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I'll say that much. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the inevitable Netflix reboot of te- the gritty Netflix reboot of Teenager <laughs> at some point. Unbelievable. I think I actually, funny enough, now that we're on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I think I read at Halloween time when I was reading stuff about Hocus Pocus, I think they used the CG model of uh, Thackeray Binks, the cat from Hocus Pocus, <laughs> as salem in uh in in the sabrina the teenage witch show i think they just used the exact same 3d model well the the, um, the, the new one yeah like in, in, no no I, th- I think in moments of the tv show they needed they needed it for some reason i think they used it in some way um i don't think i, I think it was a puppet sometimes wasn't it in in the original it was like a puppet the whole time but like it was it was, oh, was it? Okay. I, well, it was I, from what i remember actually to be fair it's been a long time so maybe there were moments where it ambulated and they needed like a model um I'm trying to think now. All I remember. Oh, hang on, maybe, maybe it's maybe it's that Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It was a puppet, and they used that. No, it was a puppet in Hocus Pocus, and they used that in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Write in and cat. let us know. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Any of you cat cat specialists out there, let us know. Let us know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So there we go. Uh. Of, of the scene ends with Prairie saying, "I can see. That's how I know I'm an angel." Yeah. You know, it's a big moment, and she can see again, and it's you know well done. But I don't know if it's. I don't know if it would pass peer review for being proof that you're an angel. Yeah, but, uh, I feel like she's jumped a couple of steps in the in the kind of empirical process of de- de- demonstrating that she is an angel. Like it's sort of, it, she's gone a bit Yuri Geller here and been like, I must have magic powers <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, 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 because I've come I've back from the dead twice. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so BBA says I'm. Uh, they're, they're popping out of the story now. Yeah, BBA says I, sh- I wish I met you sooner. I wish that you knew my brother Theo. Yeah. Um, and then. <clears throat> She goes down into her car. Uh, the boys help her in, Steve and Jesse. And uh, she gets a call from Rod Spence again. Yeah. Rod Spence wants to know when she's coming down to sort out the brother's will. Yeah, so it, it's an interesting scene, this one, I think. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because um, first BBA is played like a woman who has just had a religious experience, which kind of leans into this idea of Prairie being an, an angelic character. And really, it's the first time I've bought why any of these characters uh, in in the boys and BBA are kind of infatuated with her. It's the first moment that's really sold me on their relationships to her. Um, but it was really nice. And Steve, when they're walking her to the car, he's an odd character, Steve, because he's still a complete cock. And I, like, I kind of hate him. I don't just kind of hate him, I do hate him. But there are moments where, like... He, he he does things it's like there's a good kid in there he's just a yeah. dick like 95 percent of the time and this is one of those moments where he like you know gets her car like picks up a car keys for her opens a car door for her there's a bit later involving a van as well where he's really nice to her and it's just you know once once you're in his good books i feel like he is 
generally pretty loyal to you um yeah but uh yeah and this this is a moment like that which kind of made me hate it a bit because i was like don't make me like steve even momentarily show right yeah he hasn't he hasn't earned that um and, and there was there was a, there was a classic conrad moment here when uh she offers them uh, offers uh steve and jesse a ride home and um they say we live here and i was like wait have they moved into like the the half finished house or something they like run away from home and then as it turns out no they just like live in the you know a state state. or whatever yeah but uh, what i mean jesse's isn't much better to be honest as we find out yeah so the next scene actually has jesse going home with his sister his sister ali is there yeah uh she's she's waited up um for one thing she's really high she didn't actually notice the door was open no um no and she she's had a a visit from the fantastically named mustache maureen um (laughs) Now there's a bit of a uh, uh, there's a bit of analysis I want to do on that on that name to be honest with you because this show is in my opinion really good at building like saying very little in terms of the dialogue but you get a lot of backstory that you can extrapolate out of it yeah so for example especially in building building the lives of these boys and BBA there's a lot there's there's not much time that they give to it but there's also but there's a lot you can take from it so for example in this stage is the first time we're sort of led into Jesse's house. And Mustache Maureen is mentioned. Now, later on in the episode, it clicks with you because Steve is singing a song about Ali. He's like drumming on the on the steering wheel of the <laughs> yeah. bot. And he's singing about Ali being now I'm not gonna say the word, but it's a D word, which is a it's a hate word for, for a lesbian. Yeah. And he's like he's like uh, drumming on the thing, singing about that. And and it makes me realise Okay, that's that makes that the mustache Maureen comment is so much is so weighted in uh in meaning now because you can imagine before uh Jesse's sister Ali came out as a lesbian because she's I assume mustache Maureen is like her girlfriend, right? He's come yeah. around to watch a show with her, <clears throat> and before she came out as a lesbian, maybe Maureen was was sort of quite masculine and they always used to sort of slag her off in their family saying, Oh, there's mustache Maureen because she's got a mustache, and now so so now. Now that she's actually realized herself and come into her own sexuality, she's now going out with Mustache Maureen. She's like, no, I don't call her that anymore. You know? Yeah, and um, that's, I think there's definitely something to it. And I, I, I also think it's quite interesting, the kind of dichotomy between how Ali speaks about Maureen. And, you know, I don't call her that anymore. You know, we're, we're like, we're in a grown up relationship. I treat her yeah. with some respect. And then how she talks about Prairie and, um, and um, I can't remember who else she mentions. She mentioned oh the the trans character I can't remember I can't remember their name Buck. now, um, Buck that's right yeah um the, the, how, so actually she she's more respectful of Buck you know like she it's it's not as or well she's not as dismissive of Buck as she is of Prairie who she seems to outright dislike Buck I think she refers to to him as like that little trans kid which is a bit like mm, yeah, yeah not sure about that one but at least she acknowledges that they are trans rather than just yeah. be, you know, being being yeah. a complete twat about it um but it's it's an interesting relationship and as you say it's an interesting you get a lot of characterization for ali here uh, in a very short period of time and that they, they are quite good in this show at capturing a type of home life um in the, in the kind of broad picture so this um when when you first get introduced to this character and it, it certainly worked on me i was like oh is this jesse's mum she seems very young to be his mum and you find out later that she's not she's his sister but it has um but it but it, it conjures this image that I'm, i think a lot of us have probably experienced of people who either were raised by like uh parents who you know 
took drugs with them and smoked weed with them or something or had maybe like siblings who did the raising and it's not the most wholesome home life because drugs are so kind of um so intrinsically involved in you know in the 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 sort of day-to-day socializing with each other Mm -hmm. and i've definitely seen kids like this and it really kind of struck me um as as a a believable realization of this kind of relationship um and tells you a lot about jesse as well as a result it does um and it also shows like a a little bit of an innocence at the end as well with jesse when he when he says like do you believe in angels do you think mom was an angel yeah um and she said i don't think angels commit suicide uh Mm, yeah so there's a little bit of innocence there to him um later on we, we hear that um later on when prairie goes back to tell the story like we're not there yet but when we do get there you can hear her when she's on the stairs listening to them and they're all sort of questioning whether she's telling the truth um which is interesting to me because at this moment jesse very much believes what she was saying yeah um so he sort of we didn't hear exactly who who had the strong thoughts in that group at that point but at this point in my opinion jesse does believe what she's saying yeah i, um, I think jesse is is quite i don't want to call him weak-willed but i think he's more easygoing i think you know he's he's seems quite open-minded and he's willing to go with the flow which can mean he gets manipulated into doing bad things as is the case with the mm-hmm. drug stuff with steve but i think it, it, as you say in the case of this he's also willing to accept quite out there ideas if they feel right to him um so yeah this is a really good introduction i, I know it's not really an introduction because we've met jesse before but it's kind of um the first time we've really seen a lot of jesse and i thought it was a really effective way to introduce us to the him as a wider character um i also enjoyed mm. that um kubrick gets mentioned stanley kubrick gets named yeah. dropped in this which makes uh two uh all-time great directors we've had name dropped in the first four episodes i think the creators of this show might be cinephiles somehow we've, we've yeah, uh, yeah yeah, yeah we, we're, we're doing I, well i i kind of feel like those moments you know like <laughs> Although, like, I appreciate them being name dropped, like moments in TV shows like that, it's kind of like we need it. We need a show that we we know these directors. Yeah, and, you know, and I, it does feel a bit like, like that. It's like we gotta mention Hitchcock, dude. We gotta mention Kubrick, and it's like, okay, yeah, we all know yeah, who exactly. Alfred Hitchcock is. You don't need to do it. It's fine. Um, yeah, yeah, especially if it's just and like, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, I'm ashamed to admit it does work on me because I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. I also know those those uh, directors. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's a bit. It's kind of like it, I'm not sure what purpose it serves, like because it's not like yeah, you're yeah, directly yeah. referencing strangers on a train or whatever. You're just like I don't know, Alfred Hitchcock. Know that guy? Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you remember him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so BBA we find out didn't actually go to her brother's funeral. Mm. Um, she talks a little bit about a twin connection which she yep. broke, uh, and then she needs to move stuff. Basically, also there's there's the idea like Rod, her lawyer or sort of her brother's lawyer, says um, you know did not read the will. And I sort of she had this she had this really nice moment where she says, uh, nice in terms of the character getting it getting a chance to be a bit, a bit, extra I suppose. I turned my <laughs> brother into the police, which led to his suicide. Yeah, no, I will not read. So turned him over to the police f- who forced him into no, rehab, not, and now yeah. he's dead. Uh, and like, yeah. yeah, no, I did not. Which you know, talking again about getting a lot of information about a character in really really short periods of time that that kind of like script writing economy of script writing that is a great example of it as well like it's mm-hmm. it's you get a lot in that and it doesn't feel forced because of the context of the scene that it's in so it's a really really good bit of writing that and and cha-ching cha-ching 
50 grand coming BBA's way. Uh, (laughs) As soon as they said that, I'm like, okay, you have told me that this character is getting a lot of money. This means at some point they're going to have to do up a gym or something like that. There's going to be some kind of montage where they're like, we need to do this the old-fashioned way. And they're like, take it to the limit. And then they're going to have to be like mopping floors and like painting walls. And her money is going to be a thing that pays for it. So... I'm looking okay. for looking forward to that. That there's going to be a, <laughs> yeah. she's going to pay for something, and I hope it's going to lead to a montage cleaning sequence. That's all I'm saying. Awesome! I can't wait. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll talk about this very, very briefly. Like, I want to get through some of this real. I'm going to call it real world world stuff. Yeah. you know, like the stuff that isn't Prairie Story, uh, because I really want to speak at length about the stuff that we see later on in the story. Yeah. But uh, there's a few scenes here. Like, So first of all, um, Nancy's reading the, the book about the boy Jamie. It's called Stolen, I noticed. And she's thinking about going back to work because that's what Jamie's mother did. Yeah. Um, Abel's like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. I'll take Prairie to her appointment. Yeah, oh, and, yeah. and Scar's mentioned again, Nancy's thinking about money. That's really all I've got from, from this, which I guess is, you know, th- this couple are returning to normality and the Scars are just you know they're just keeping that the the idea of the scars on Perry's back ticking over in our mind, I guess. Yeah, and also yeah, also like they they're sort of approaching it in a way like I don't know, almost as if or Nancy is, anyway is not really paying too much attention to what Prairie wants. No. It's kind of like I read this book, I have to do this, so I'm going to do this. You know, she's yeah. not actually sitting down with Prairie and saying, "What do you want? What do we need to do?" You know. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So Steve and Jesse are going to drive BBA. Um, but the moment where he sings about uh, Jesse's sister, <laughs> yeah, um, and you're gonna get the old lady get squeezed, uh, you know, making Jesse. Yeah, J- yeah, Jesse was like, Jesse really wanted the window seat. Oh, really wanted don't the make me seat. like you. Don't make me fall in love with you, Steve. Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't you do it? <laughs> so, yeah, that 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 path only leads to heartache. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and like this is this is a great little little scene actually. Um, you know, the extended scene. Um, I did. I hated it as well when when Steve like hammers on the horn and was like Clara. Path and there's like no one in the way. It's just like a, it's just a driveway. It did make me laugh. Um, yeah. But yeah, great, great little scene between these three characters here. Um, you know, oh, in in the room. Yeah, yeah, when they actually get to Theo's um, Theo's room, which I, I I couldn't tell when um, when they start playing the generic rock music that um, that Jesse finds, and she's like, "You're gonna make it," and, and BBA is like, "You're gonna make everyone in this building start taking heroin again." I wasn't yeah, sure yeah. if this is actually the drug rehab center where Theo did kill himself, or, or whether she was joking. Yeah, no, 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 no. I think it is. Yeah, oh, okay, because she kind of walks that she, back I, when they when they're like, "What?" She speak, she's, she's speaking to two of her students. She realizes. Yeah, so I guess that's a good point. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like the school board might have something to say about me bringing these children to a heroin rehab center. Yeah, it was a it was a field exactly. trip. Yeah, it was a field. It was a field trip. They've learned a lot. Um, I don't yeah. know what the math teacher was taking up there for. Well, like, they, they need know. to learn how to buy drugs. <laughs> like you know, yeah, lot, and they, they lot... need to know the ratio, the ratios of the heroin. <laughs> there's mix. a lot of fractions involved. Let me tell you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, um, I also like that the uh, the sort of the 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 Jesse Steve that like shows the difference in their approaches to dealing with uh, BBA. So Jesse very much sits down with her, has a heart to heart conversation in which we it's revealed that his mother's dead, his dad left them. Um, and then they have a little touching moment, whereas Steve is just like, I'm going to put on your brother's clothes. Yeah, and then realise instantly that I've made a terrible choice, but stand there like a T-posing video game character, just like, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to stay here. And yeah. like BVA's clearly tearing up, and it's like, okay, good job, Steve. Take the rough with yeah. the smooth. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so uh, yeah, Jesse's dad left and all that sort of thing. So a little bit of characterization there. But I don't yeah. think there's much we can extrapolate out of it that we haven't said already, to be honest with you. Um, okay, so Prairie and the therapist then. Mm. Riz your, Ahmed. Your friend and mine, Riz Ahmed. Great to see him. Absolutely great to see him. Yeah, uh, Riz Ahmed, of course, of uh, Rogue One, Four Lions plenty of stuff he's 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 yeah. great actor dead set i love riz ahmed he's in like the sound of metal is a, a movie that's coming out this year or it is yeah. already out in some places and he looks great in it um so the things i interpreted from this scene are uh, there's boxes and lamp parts on the um kind of shelving unit behind prairie which to me suggests that he is new in town and more importantly counselor with a leather jacket equals cool counselor Counselor with a brown sweater equals lame counselor. The dichotomy of man. <laughs> like, what yeah. is, yeah. Where does Riz Ahmed's character? I didn't even get his, catch his name actually, to be honest. But um, I, I, I love, I love the that he is. You can basically see the internal t- turmoil within him. To try, I want to be cool, <laughs> but I also want to be functional in my appearance. Yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, this bland office crap puts me to sleep. Want to take a walk? He's yeah. like, he's like really swings his leather jacket over through. his shoulder, like come jump in. My, but then he's like, realizes he drives like a Hyundai or something. He's like, come jump in my car. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right, okay, nice one, Riz. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's him. Um, yeah. There was some, there, there was a lot of conversation going on there. Was there anything in particular what they were saying which stuck out to you? Um. Sort of a lot of a lot of talking about like it's, it's almost like the whole scene was basically there for prairie to open up to him at some point yeah um, it's, it's she, she didn't, she didn't expect him to be open and like it's all up to you uh you know he even offered for her to push him in a pond you know yeah i, I think it, it seems like it's laying the groundwork for conversations that will happen in future uh and and to be honest most of this conversation seemed to exist in service of the final line from rizamed's character where he says you're not a prisoner which made me go hmm in capital letters on my notes because i don't think that's necessarily true in or at least it's it might be true in the sense that he is thinking of it but it might not be true in every sense interesting mm. uh okay so then uh she starts she starts the uh the, the story again this time it's interesting because they start with a sort of real profound uh, line again like she always does but but uh she actually starts to unpack it a little bit so yeah. she says you don't really know something until your body knows it, and she's like, it "Took me a while to understand that." You know, it's like it's almost like the writer's like, "See, that's a good line," but yeah, probably have to explain that a little bit. To Knowledge is a rumor until it lives in the body. It's like, yeah, I feel like they they came up with a line and then they worked backwards from there to fit it into the <laughs> fit it into the scene. Yeah, but but again, it's it's really cool. Yeah, it and works. That's, that's, it works. That, that seems like something Perry would do. Like she's lying awake in in her bed. She's like, "Oh, that's good. I'll use that to open the story tomorrow." Yeah, um, yeah. She's a natural natural storyteller. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Hap comes to get her. Uh, yeah. again he still uh, obviously thinks she's blind and, i didn't he... realize that until this scene i was like oh she's pretending to be blind for him that's clever which you know again is like prairie she's more switched on than she She seems you know all innocent and sweet but she's pushing people downstairs and pretending to be blind when it suits <laughs> her like prairie she's got a nasty streak in her literally she's like ozzy osborne she's biting head the head off a bird like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sharon, that's what she's yeah. like. She's walking around the, um, <laughs> the <Sharon. laughs> walking around the prison, shouting Sharon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so um, interesting that Hap sort of still trusts her because she tried, even though she tried to escape. Um, yeah. Well, I think he's just infatuated with her, both yeah, both sexually and from what he can gain from her um, in a scientific sense. I think. 
Um, I, I, I would like to point out at this at this juncture that the moment where he sucks the headphones before putting them in is one of the most <laughs> disgusting things I've ever seen. I that is horrific. <laughs> Who does that? No, don't if you listen to me, listener, and well, listeners, if you, if you're on the audio podcasting apps, I'm pointing at the camera right now. I'm pointing at you. Don't ever suck your headphones before you put them in your ears. That's what weirdos do. Yeah. Um. To be honest with you, there's a few moments in this which really put Hap across in a real creepy yeah, way. It's... If he wasn't creepy already, there's also the moment where, uh, like later on, where he's rubbing the cream into Homer's ears. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's a there's a, and it's really good, like kind of foley work, like on that yeah. creamy hand sound that they get. It's horrible. The Hap gets the yeah. worst of it in this episode. I mean, he deserves it, but oh, I couldn't believe it. I had to pause the video when 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 he put the, the yeah. Like, oh, Jesus, Jason Isaacs! How much did they pay you to do this? <laughs> I would, if I was him, I'd be like, are they, "You're sure these are brand new?" Yeah. Sure? yeah. <laughs> if I found out, find out that these have been in someone else's mouth or ear, for that matter, <laughs> but before before me, I am suing you. That's what. That's what I, I want. It is he won it in his contract? Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, so he, he takes her over and gives her a, a little lie detector test, basically yep. with the with the big ear machine that he had uh, from the second episode. Yeah. Um, and he he sort of he, he's asking questions, and she's very clever in the way that she makes him ask the questions. So therefore, she doesn't really have to lie. Doesn't um, have to give away anything. Yeah, too too big either. Yeah, exactly. So. To be honest with you, there's not much to talk about here because she literally does give him give him some stuff. So she says like, "My father was there." Um, she she oh, the big thing was that she chose to come back, and he yeah. really pinned on that. And he was like, "Oh, you know, you chose to come back," and I think that that's something that he had never even uh, discovered in his own research before. Yeah, and and I think um, the the thing that really stuck out to me in this, because as you say, he's kind of getting the answers. So there's not too much analysis to be done, I think, in what she's saying. Um, this idea of like a great evil that she and five other people are trying to prevent, or she and no, yeah, she and four other people, in fact, are trying to prevent. Um, I wonder if it's him, or wonder if it's something that his research is going to cause. That's kind of what I was thinking during this scene was trying to pin down exactly where this great evil is coming from, um, because where he's at, at the moment doesn't initially seem like he has. I guess what he's doing is choose, evil. Yeah, choose, choose your words carefully, Conrad. <laughs> I mean, like when when you have angels talking about a great evil, to me that sounds like you know cosmic level d- destruction. That doesn't sound like five people in a, or four people trapped in a room. Um, maybe maybe you know that is a, like a bigger like a great enough um, evil for angels to be concerned about it. But I'm I'm definitely feeling like there's got to be something else coming down the pike. Okay, interesting. Um, so they've got a plan. The plan is to suck the gas out of the room yep. uh, through the holes so that the person who's going uh, that Hap takes or that like they're trying to convince uh, Scott to do it so that Prairie can go, so Homer and Scott to suck it out um, so that Hap uh, will be able to take them but but she'll be actually awake when he go, when she goes. Yeah. Um, which is a pretty cool plan. Pretty <clears throat> yeah. good plan. Yeah. Um, Scott doesn't want to do it uh, and he sort of he, he sort of explains what we were analyzing in the last episode or two where he says like at least you were all taken healthy and he shows his his chest and he's covered in what you can imagine are injection uh points um he says at least you were healthy uh also there's also another great line from scott here 
where uh, she's like, you know, don't you believe this? Like, you know, don't you believe uh, what Perry's saying or whatever? And Scott's like, she got hit in the head, Rachel. Hard. <laughs> like, for him, he's just like, she's nuts, you know? I mean, yeah, um, it's not unreasonable, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if he could be more diplomatic in the way he's putting the points across. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they, they eventually, uh, Homer eventually says, I'll go, uh, and I don't even have to pretend to be blind. So uh, he decides to go. A month passes, um, and then it was it's go time. Yep. Uh, but it didn't go very well. No. Prairie, uh, Prairie starts to suck in the thing as well as Rachel. They both sort of go unconscious, and uh, Rachel hurts herself. But what they notice is... Scott starts speaking to Prairie, yeah. and she starts doing what he wants. I, I thought this was just her doing a bit, to be honest. <laughs> like at first, I was like, "You're a real comedian." Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, first off, why are you saying comedian? Like that's not. <laughs> yeah. that's fine. I don't think you need to like say that. Yeah. I, I, well, I actually don't know if the gender term has been kind of like normalized at this point, but I feel like comedian is only used by people who are like using it disparagingly to refer to a female comedian. To be honest. I have only heard. I, well, I've I've seen the word comedian written down recently. I think Netflix. I'm, I'm not 100 sure. Does Netflix say comedian in their little descriptions? I'm not sure. I'd be um, interested to know actually, because that might be me just speaking out of ignorance. But I every time I've heard someone say comedian, it has been in the like in the way that Scott has said it here, where it's like, oh, aren't you a, yeah, a, yeah. like a great female comedian? It's like okay, fine. You didn't need to bring gender into this to be honest. Scott. Yeah, <laughs> Scott. exactly. Yeah, let's, uh, let's just say comedian. Yeah. Have, it, have, it, have them just be respected for being that. Being funny. Uh, but I thought she was doing a bit here. I was like, this is great from Prairie. Like she's you know yeah, opening her eyes. I, it was like um, we talked about King Kong on our other podcast the other week and I was like this is like when Naomi Watts entertains King Kong like she's doing some great physical comedy here um, but, <laughs> yeah. I, but as it turns out it's not that <laughs> yeah yeah she's actually been infected by a drug uh, that means someone can order you around yeah. and do, that you do exactly what they want devil's breath and you know interesting interesting enough Steve knows about it. Uh, Steve and Jesse, like, they both know about it. Like, although French actually, French, uh, French uh, knew not, about yeah, it. Yeah, French rather, not Jesse. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is, and, and I feel like Jesse and French is like, you know, I, I, when he mentions it, it's like oh, he's a smart guy. He's just done the research. Whereas when Steve mentions it, everyone's like, why do you know about this, Steve? Yeah. yeah. Why do you know about uh, drugging dr- this, these apparent women who were drugged who would do what you want? Yeah. Why do you know about that, Steve? I, um, um, I know about this because I've watched lots of movies to do with voodoo, and this is what this is yeah. what the basis of voodoo comes from. Devil's Breath. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's and what they I used to give t- people to. They put them in like zombified states. So it's where zombies came from, basically, is Devil's Breath. Really interesting. Mm. Um, we did a lot of. Uh, we went to like a voodoo museum when we went to New Orleans. So it was really cool. Um, we also learnt interesting stuff about Mary Laveau. Have you heard of Mary Laveau? No, I don't think so. She was like a voodoo priestess who, um, you know, people believe was really magic, but actually it was that she got every all the women in her family. She had a load of women like aunties, uh, you know, y- uh, young teens, other sisters, cousins. She got them all to pretend to be her, so she would go. They would all go to readings as her. So like this word sped around, like Mary Laveau, the voodoo priestess. You know, she could appear in any age. You know, <laughs> that's uh, great. And apparently, she knew she could fortune tell because she was a uh, she was a hairdresser, 
and therefore she like got all the rumors all the from gossip. the town. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's like um, it's that's really... like the Prestige where Hugh Jackman um gets someone gets like a drunk actor who looks exactly like him to play himself. Yeah. <laughs> like what happens when one of her one of her like siblings or whatever develops like an alcohol problem or gets really yeah, overweight yeah. and they're like, I I saw Mary Laveau but she was like about forty pounds heavier than the other time. <laughs> I yeah, saw she her. appears at any weight, and, uh... and she was really drunk as well. Yeah, but it's it's funny as well. Just to end this little Mario Laveau section, um, little detour. We also went to the uh, Saint, uh, the Saint Louis. I always say go to say Saint Louis Armstrong, but it's not. It's Saint. It's just Saint Louis <laughs> Cemetery. Louis Armstrong and Saint Louis are both big figures in New Orleans. It's funny. Mm. Uh, but Saint, in the Saint Louis <clears throat> Cemetery, all the all the above ground graves down there because they can't bury them bury people underground because of the the high water line. Yeah. Uh, so so basically. Uh, everyone talks about like her her grave and like there's a grave with like a load of like people go and like put marks on the grave yeah so there's a grave with like marks everywhere every single tour guide's like they can't be bothered waiting in line to see the grave so they're like that's not the real grave let me show you where the real grave is and every one of them takes you to a different that's grave great. And they're like, this the hustle. is the one yeah yeah exactly uh but anyway that's that's mario Laveau. but uh so three years uh, sorry one year passes yes um until uh homer actually they're able, they're able to suck the gas out there's a funny moment where uh um steve's like what why did it take so long and french is like take it takes time to get good at something yeah uh, and then steve's like i know that come on i know <laughs> yeah. that how long you know I, i've established a really big client base for my drug empire here right i know i know these things thanks french I, i've got <laughs> yeah, a question exactly. for you actually before we before we move on from the the well or before we go past the next scene why did they wear sheets when they were inhaling the the gas every other time apart from the first time okay so two things one they wanted to conjure the idea of religious religious imagery right okay cool. <laughs> the second thing is i this is my, my me rationalizing it now okay yeah if they they breathe in enough that they collapse and and then hap comes in and sees them they need to be believably sleeping so okay. maybe so if they fall on the floor he's like ah oh, they're just taking a nap on the floor they got a blanket okay on the I, i'm like I'm gonna say like sixty percent there on believing that. I was just like, were they like playing ET when they like they were doing they were doing like a reenactment of the movie ET and and then suddenly the gas starts and they're like, oh, we haven't got time to drop these blankets, so yeah. uh, like we're just gonna have to <laughs> just gonna have to carry on. I, I maybe it's like they were breathing it in and breathing it down. The 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 blanket would stop it uh, going back through the vent the other way. Maybe I, I have no yeah, idea. maybe. I, don't, I feel like Who there knows. must be a reason for it, and I'm just too dumb to, to know what it is. I think the reason is always going to be tenuous. I think they wanted the imagery. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, they did look like women of, or, or, you know, biblical women yes. doing that. Yeah, they look like Mary. Um, okay, so Homer finally gets in to Dr. Hap- Happenstein's lab, yep. and it's a really weird drowning machine. Mm. Uh, that the interesting part is Homer couldn't actually go through with it properly because he re- his heartbeats he was scared right. So what did you think about this? This it sort of revealed what his experiment is looking like now. What do you think? Uh, I mean, it's pretty horrific. I think I love the I love the production design of the the set in general. This kind of like odd like hexagonal padded tube um, and that the apparatus for drowning it, it feels. Um, 
it feels like something you find in like a uh, like a high school science lab or something like it looks yeah. believably scientific but it doesn't look high tech it looks like something that someone with a limited budget has maybe has maybe uh, a limited budget but a knowledge of science has read yeah. together um and in terms of a method of nearly killing someone it is horrific to to drown them um is uh, very painful and very scary so yeah like it, it it's a, you can totally get why um homer is scared the first time and i think it actually does more for homer's characterization than anyone else because um and and to be honest again i don't want to play like backseat filmmaker here uh, yeah. i i would have used montage editing here to show how many times he did this because i think that would have to to me it that would have really hammered home how brave homer is to keep doing this over and over again um based on how horrific the experience must be yeah yeah exactly um it's literally just put in the dialogue they do a little bit of montagey thing where they're sort of having images flash and like sort of fade into each other mm. it's but it's not the type of montage you're talking about i know you're talking about sort of a montage where they show the, the helmet going on a hundred times or whatever yeah yeah you know, exactly really like you just really succession. quickly cut between every single time it happened to really hammer home how many times homer did this because yeah i i feel like that's a little bit lost in it is that he's doing this over and over again on faith with prairie uh yeah. basically and that that takes extreme conviction and bravery to do okay uh awesome so there's we're, we're sort of we're getting to the end uh, of uh, of the time but but i want to sort of mention a few points at the end of this episode mm. so we do have the idea that uh homer's really really brave that's cemented he also goes and sneaks into hap's office at one point yeah. um and he's able to get a few different bits of information one thing is he finds uh tapes with um he finds tapes with his name on it and he plays the tape. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about that? I can't actually remember what the name they... Is it Mr. Johnson they call him in the tape? Uh, Mr. Roberts. Mr. Roberts, yeah, um, in the tape. So my my I guess it's kind of confirmed shortly afterwards, but my interpretation of it was, oh, he's actually able to record dreams or, or not record dreams but in the same way that we can kind of record dreams now he's able mm. to record these kind of experiences happening on the astral plane or the other side or like as they kind of refer to it um in this episode mm. um and i think we we can get more into this probably in the next scene where we actually see what uh homer's other side looks like but um but I love this idea that there's a kind of material link or a scientific link between the the, the material world and this other side um, that, that where we can actually listen to and perhaps see um, what's actually going on there. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, obviously, he has to run back. He throws himself on the floor. Yeah. I thought that was pretty clever yeah, uh, to clever. do that. I, um, I do feel then, like I, I yeah. feel. I wonder why Homer didn't just like bash. Um, hap on the head with one of the gas canisters or something at this point i, I feel like I, yeah. if you did it that many times that would have been an option at least once or twice i have wondered that before why didn't he just literally beat him to death because you at that like stage, he's a young fit guy i feel like he could do yeah. it unless unless between like between him and the others there is another code lock door um and 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 it, also there is the idea that he is fully buying into Prairie's understanding that we need to, or she's saying like we need to you know 
go in, not out to to, to escape. I guess uh, maybe, so. Yeah, I, maybe that's me oversimplifying um, what Prairie's goal is here and the degree to which Homer buys into it. But there, there was definitely a part of me where I was like, you could knock him out and tie him up and get all of these answers in a way that is far quicker and easier than, yeah. than what you're doing. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, so he eventually does actually do it, and he manages to die awake. Really yeah. cool line. Um, and he goes into what looks like a ventilation shaft. Yeah, he wakes up in Die falls... Hard. <laughs> yeah, he wakes up in Die Hard. Uh, and then he falls through a bathroom roof, and eventually finds a fish tank, eats a fish. Bada bing, bada boom. Yep, yeah, all pr- all perfectly normal. Um, so I, I, I feel <laughs> I, I feel like um, the obviously this is a different a significantly different version of the the other side to the one that we saw of prairies um yeah. which makes me think that maybe the way that this this other place kind of manifests to each person is a reflection of their own personalities so i whereas i get the sense that prairie is quite tranquil quite calm um and and that's reflected in the place that she sees homer seems to be defined by fear uh, as much as by bravery, so like his his bravery comes from the things he is worried that will happen to the people he cares about, and maybe that's why things like fear of spiders manifests itself so poignantly in the other side that that, that we see. I'm not sure what the yellow stuff leaking out of the urinals was. <laughs> I was I was watching it, and I was a bit like, this is like a goddamn David Lynch film. Like, what's what's yeah. going on here? Um, and then, urine, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then he and then he goes and eats like a sea urchin and. Uh, wakes himself up presumably by uh, aren't sea urchins like super poisonous or super um, I think yeah poisonous I, well I, th- I don't know if they all are but definitely definitely there are some so I'm, are, I'm yeah. assuming he wakes himself up by dying is, is kind of how I interpreted him eating that sea urchin um, but uh, yeah it's a great it's a great little moment for them to show us something crazy basically at the end of this episode um, yeah it was very crazy and mm. then basically um, it puts into context a little bit of the uh, weird movements that Prairie was doing earlier mm. on in the episode. Yeah. Um, because it looks, it, it, the episode ends um, with Homer doing like a weird movement. Yeah, he um, does the same kind of unwaking behavior that Prairie was doing with her hands, which seems to suggest, I'm not sure what it suggests at the moment. Like it's, it, there's, there's, something because she we did we weren't seeing inside her head when she did it and we're not we're, yeah. we're not seeing inside homer's head when he does it but the prairie's response to it seems to, like he he when when um homer is talking to her when he's like half awake he says like i felt chased and I, I i didn't actually write it down but he says something like it wasn't what you were describing i feel like i haven't got yeah. it i haven't got it yet um and then when he does the thing with the hands it does this sort of rack focus to prairie's face next to him and she seems to look pleased with that as if he has now experienced it so maybe maybe that like when you do that thing with your hands it's a sign that something has happened or you have kind of achieved that sort of uh, that transcendent experience okay uh awesome so he he does that um there's there's a there's just before that moment uh she sort of comes to the understanding of like there's a name that's truer than prairie it's sort of inside it. She understands it. It's it's truer than even Nina, and she she says it sounds like away, you know. And she couldn't say she couldn't sound it out loud at all, uh, you know. She says I, when I say it out loud, it all falls apart. But it's like away, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and then you realize that the episode was called away and yeah. that's uh yeah so uh so there we go that that was uh episode i'm sure we missed one or two things uh there there was a lot in that episode to be honest with you mm. um so let us know in the comments if we missed anything we can touch on it next week but i think we get into the what do we get into the roundup <laughs> yeah let's do it Okay, so here we are for the roundup. Uh, Conrad, take us through what you thought of the show. I will open up IMDb because I have not done it yet. But <laughs> overall, what did you think of this episode? Um, so I thought this was a really strong episode. Actually, I think that's two in a row that I've that I've legitimately thought were were, were really fun. Um, I think the <clears throat> excuse me. I think the we, we have a bit more of a direction now, um, and I'm enjoying the characterizations a lot more. I'm really interested to see where we go from here with uh, both Priory's story and and whether anything more dynamic happens in the present day because I feel like that's kind of got to happen at some point. Like something, I, I feel like I need to see something happen in the present day to really raise the stakes. Uh, but still, I mean, it's it it's getting really good. I'm really intrigued by a lot of the um, by a lot of um, the, the the crazy cosmic stuff that's going on. So I really hope yeah. we see more of that. Um, in terms of theories for this week um before you go to the theories 8.4 is the oh sorry theory. yeah um i'm assuming you're gonna put it as similar as last week yeah i think i say an, a, a flat eight for last week i think yeah, yeah so I th- i'd say this is about the same i, I think that it's still re- you know a high quality episode i really enjoyed it um and ha- hasn't nothing from the o has like totally wowed me yet but it's definitely it's, it's ramped up in quality and i hope they can maintain this now yeah and i will say about imdb ratings like it's a bit silly that I use them, but I, I just use them because because I, I like having the uh, I just I just like having the audience rating. But at the same time, there are some shows which are actually pretty good shows, and if there's a certain contingent of an audience who just like if it's a if it's a divisive show, then it will have a lot of negative reviews, which will bring it down yeah. to like a six or a seven. Whereas the OA doesn't it doesn't seem to have that. I know some people didn't it doesn't jibe with them or whatever, but having an eight point four rating is hard to do on on INDB. Yeah. Because when people don't like something, they usually just one star it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's kind of we've gone through this before, but this is the problem with any kind of uh ten point or even five point rating system is no one knows how to use the numbers in the middle. Like something is either a nine or an eight or it's a one for the most part. Um so yeah, to to, to maintain a high rating is very difficult. Okay. Before you go into your theories, I want to say something to you. Go on. You need, you need to give me a bit more credit, Conrad. I was trying to help you earlier in the season because I said to you, when you were talking about uh, the glass boxes, you know, being filled with water and then drowning, I was like, so just put in the theory matrix that he's killing them by drowning. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a you- good point. Yeah, I should. Um, I was halfway and, and, there. Uh, yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to give you a little bit of something there, Conrad. It wouldn't have been, fa- um, I wouldn't have been faithful to the, the actual pr- theory though, because I was thinking those. But bo- in retrospect, it wouldn't have made any sense. I say that all the time when a theory is proven to be obviously wrong, but like it wouldn't have made any sense for him to drown them where they sleep, because then you've just got to deal with wet bedding all the time, which is you know no one yeah, wants yeah. that, and you're gonna kill those plants. Um, <laughs> like so, yeah, that's the most important, you know. Rachel, Rachel speaks them back to life. That's true. Um, yeah, she can whisper life into them. Yeah. Okay. What are you, what are the theories coming out of here? So we've kind of already already touched on them, but I thought I'd just mention them again. Yeah. Um, so OA, I'm pl- I'm plumping for original Angel as it stands at the moment. We'll see whether that that actually does stand for anything or whether it's it's um, uh, whether I'm I'm barking up the wrong tr- uh, tree. Um, I think uh, this one is is kind of crazy, but I've just thrown it out there. I'm throwing it out there to yeah. see see whether anything bites. She's got scars yeah. on her back. We have seen someone with a wing. Uh-huh. They said she's the original, and we've had the word like Prairie herself has invoked the word angel. 
I think those scars are something to do with angel wings. It's my, <laughs> it's my, uh, that's my crazy out there guess for this. And I would love that to be true. Um, yeah, it's, uh, when okay. I saw that lady with a wing, I was like, this is kind of nuts that you're literally showing an angel with a wing in this. But I will say, actually, funny enough, um, when I first watched this show and we first saw her scars, I don't know what, in my brain, whenever I see back scars, my brain always goes to angel wings. Yeah. Um, so even when I first watched that, in the first or second episode, whenever we see them when she's in the bath, my mind in, in, like straight went straight away when I first watching it, I, I went, oh, angel wings. Okay. Um, now, I, I not that I thought not that I thought that she had angel wings at one point or anything like that, but I thought that's the imagery they're trying to evoke there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I am very, and, and people who follow my channel from the very beginning know, I'm very hyper aware to religious symmetry being put into things. Mm. So many shows have religious symmetry, sim, uh, symbolism, sorry, put in put into them. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I'm hyper aware about. So I was guessing that from the very first episode. Oh, it's, it's the greatest book ever written, Anthony. So, like, you know, you've got to... Well. You've got to know. You've got to recognize all those influence. I once had the Bible. I'd sold to me. I'm. I'm not for the for the listeners and watchers. I'm not particularly religious. But I once had the Bible, and we're getting into hot water here. We did. We did racism and um and attacking our listeners last episode. Now we're getting into religion. Um, yeah. but I I went to a religious camp when I was younger. Um, in place of like Boy Scouts, it was like this 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 youth group, and we had the Bible sold to us on the basis of how much sex and violence is in it, which which I was always thought was an interesting way to try and get kids to read the bible didn't work yeah but they yeah but apparently literally everyone got drowned because of that and then yeah. in, 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 Noah, in noah's ark yeah and yeah and then they uh it's like someone selling the bible saying hey hey you want to be more like these people who uh god cold from the earth uh, <laughs> yeah these people are like no don't like it do over <laughs> yeah <laughs> This of this person is like, dude, he's trying to make that person who's trying to sell you the Bible is trying to probably bring the end times forward. Yeah, yeah, they were a servant of Satan, surely. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Okay, um, so that's all the theories you got for this week. Yep, yeah, just those two. I, I guess there was a couple of other little ones which maybe I, I probably should put in the matrix now um, that I've mentioned mm. in this episode. But uh, but those were the two big ones that I that I jotted down. Cool. Okay, let's get into the uh, questions then. Awesome. Let's do it. A stranger from the outside. All right, so first question comes from MH, and MH says, Why is Prairie's NDE experience displayed as peaceful, relaxing, and beautiful, while Homer has to go through the stress of being trapped and chased around in some type of facility? What uh, what might the NDEs of Scott and Rachel look like? Um, yeah, so we've kind of touched on this already. I, I think the, the NDE experience kind of manifests the mentality of the person who is having it. Um, so prairie is quite a tranquil person she doesn't really seem to suffer from any kind of emotional extremes in in, in either way so it's very it's quite a peaceful experience uh whereas yeah. homer is less so it's an interesting question about scott and rachel rachel i feel like we don't really know enough about rachel yet to for me to say but scott's i think i could imagine them doing scott's like and i, I kind of hope they don't do this just because i don't want his character to become one note i'm a former addict everything i do is to do with drugs yeah, yeah. but i suspect they might do just because there's only four episodes left of this season <laughs> and they haven't got a lot of time left to characterize him so i could see his being like a bad drug trip um like a gaspar noe movie or something like that um but i'll, I'll be really interested to see if that's the case um 
Rachel's or maybe maybe it's the other end of the drugs and maybe he's like floating it in the could, yeah it could be euphoric as well it could, yeah maybe mm-hmm. they do a good uh, go the other way and surprise me and make it like a really good drug trip um, and yeah make it make it like a high um, Rachel's it's hard because I don't know that much about her but I, I feel like August will have to be a part of it um, just because we've barely seen her and she seemed quite important to Rachel. So I think she'll appear in in in, August, uh, in Rachel's NDE experience. But I, I hope we see all of them. Uh, that would be, that'd be really, I don't want to say fun, but that would be really interesting to see those. Yeah, awesome. Uh, okay, so Bill Ross asks, has Scott risen a few points or dropped further in Conrad's eyes <laughs> after this episode? Um, I think Steve didn't do anything particularly dickish this episode um so he he got a little bit better whereas scott held steady so i think i think (laughs) like scott still hasn't done anything as bad as misgendering someone he well knows the gender of purely out of spite so who you could call his friend yeah who who you could call his friend so i think steve is still at the top of the dickhead rankings but but scott closed close to within within uh, a nose of him i think in this in this episode so with four episodes less to go it's all to play for i'll say that <laughs> i'll say that it's, much. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's all to play for. i put a cat amongst the yeah. <laughs> 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 all right uh, all right sorry. okay um i'm going to uh now before we before we go this isn't a question but um latrice in the uh in, in the in the comments has been sort of putting in their um their theories every week there's not i don't know if there's too much theories here but i'd like to give a shout out to latrice because uh you know they are putting a lot of effort into sort of being on team conrad uh, yeah i've been week. reading them as well to be honest like so like yeah i'm, I'm really really into it yeah, yeah exactly so i'll just mention a few few sort of noticings is that a word noticing sure i suppose it is uh noticings that latrice had this episode um so where uh were prairie and jamie both missing for seven years uh jamie being the one that i believe jamie's the, the, the one for the book was written about that nancy's reading um oh maybe that is so is latrice sort of hinting at maybe there that maybe the their thought thoughts are basically on is was jamie's experience in some way to do with prairies as well um or hap i suppose yeah i mean it could be it could i I suppose it's it it, i i suspect not purely because the way the journalist talks about jamie in the previous episode it seems like they've reached some kind of resolution um which i don't think they'd be able to do with hap just wandering around kidnapping more people um Mm -hmm. so i think it's more likely to be coincidental though i mean it's possible that hap's not the only person who knows about this and is investigating it um or or attempting to trigger it in people so it could be could be um okay Uh, and last one here from latrice uh something to look out for in the future i think just to see if this uh, symbolism is being used there there's some purple symbolism going on um so prairie and homer's clothes uh, both have purple aspects to them. Yeah. The water that August was in was purple. The nighttime light in the prison is purple. So yes. whenever they had yep. sort of had the cloaks on, they were the sheets on. They they, they were in purple light. Um, Latrice says that it makes them think um, of Jessica Jones. I've never seen Jessica Jones actually. I think that's a. It's in one. Of, it's in it's the superhero. Ma- yeah, it's, it's in the Marvel, Marvel universe. Marvel Netflix series. I never saw it either actually, but um, I heard it was very um, good. 
Yeah, the purple man is the villain in that. Apparently, purple lighting was used to visually depict his controlling influence. So maybe there's something to something in the purple color. We'll maybe have a look at that going forward. Well, it's quite a lurid color if we're going by the you know kind of color coding of emotions. So mm-hmm. um, it, it 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 speaks to kind of like dominance and control. Uh, so it could also be you know just this this symbolism for haps haps control over these people. Um, but yeah, I mean there could be more to it than that. I'll I'll definitely keep an eye out for that as well. Okay, awesome. And last one. This is technically a question. Nice. It's our old friend Donnie Starts, and he says, because he he has answered it himself, but uh, I want to know what your answer is. So Donnie says, what's Steve's favorite food? Now, Donnie has answered it, and he said milk steak. Uh, Oh, great. That's a a great answer, Donnie. Well done. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to remember what else Charlie uh, mentions as really, really liking. dog food out of a can? Yeah, it's cat food, yeah. Cat food food and beer. Uh, I mean, I... Listen, in the long nights spent in the half-completed house selling drugs, I bet Steve has dined on cat food and beer at some point. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I reckon to continue the Charlie Day c- comparison. Although uh, he's even worse than Charlie Day because he knows he shouldn't stab at a woman's breasts with his hands, and yet he still does it, whereas Charlie Day is just an idiot. Um, oh, he's, yeah, he's, he's oblivious to any of those social cues. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't Day. understand social norms. <laughs> Charlie Kelly, we should say, not Charlie, Charlie, Charlie Kelly. Is very yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, Charlie Day, I'm sure, is a lovely man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to throw him through the gutter like this. Uh, all right, there we go. So that's the episode. Um, looking forward to next week now. Yep. Uh, any closing thoughts, Conrad? Just that I, I want to see more of these NDEs. I want to see more milky. Well, talking about milk steak, want to see more milky water, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and see where that leads us. Okay, awesome. Uh, guys, can you make sure to um, like the video, uh, subscribe on The Culture Cave, also subscribe on audio apps, either way you want to listen to it. Uh, there's a load of other stuff on The Culture Cave too. If you just watched the After Dark podcast or just listen to us on audio apps, there's a load of stuff, film analysis, uh, video, uh, video uh, sorry, TV and film reviews as well we do. Yep. There's our other podcast, the best movie podcast ever, which we need to be better at mentioning on here. Um and there's also the t-shirt link in description if you want to go and get that that does support the channel or you can just donate directly to us the link is in the description too and as you can see from the camera Conrad's using today the, that money is very very well spent that was not a cheap camera no and that is all that is all thanks to you yeah, guys watching the videos getting a little bit little bit about ad revenue that we get as well as those donations as well it all helps us so thanks very much guys the only thing I have to say is goodbye goodbye thank you for listening The After Dark Podcast has been a Culture Cave production. Please subscribe on audio apps as well as on YouTube at The Culture Cave. Join us next week as Conrad journeys further into the unknown.